How's it going, guys? Welcome to episode 17 of Fear Frequency. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is my co-host, as always, George Frizzard. What's up, dude? Nothing much. What are you up to? Oh, you know, it's raining here, so my commute was lengthened by two, a factor of two, because yep. people are just like, you know what? Water is on the ground. I may as well drive five miles an hour for no reason. Yep, that's how it is here, but instead of water, it's snow. Snow is kind of hard to drive in. I will say, like, it's more reasonable for snow, I feel. Yeah, but on my way to work this morning, I saw four accidents, and one of them was a pickup trunk that drove into this a median. Like, like he was sideways blocking one of the lanes and hit the middle of the road. Oh, my God. The front was all smashed in, and his tires were completely turned the wrong way. Was it my dad? I don't think so. I didn't see uh, Mr. Champagne walking around out there, but you never know, I guess. You didn't see a man, like, flipping other people's cars with just, like, his bare strength. No, I didn't see that. Uh, I would have remembered that, but uh, there was definitely a pickup truck that was completely undrivable. Wow, that's terrible. Yeah, so uh, big blizzards all over the country except in L.A. where we got a light drizzle and it brought traffic to a standstill. But anyways, we got to sound the alarms, dude. We got another Halloween alert. Going to break out the show with another Halloween alert. Uh, More set photos. The first one this week is from Jamie Lee Curtis herself. And she shared what she calls uh, a set portrait photo. But I can tell that she just used the portrait mode on the (laughs) front-facing camera of the iPhone X. Because... It does a decent job, but, like, not a good job. I mean, it's not... To call it a set photo is a bit of a stretch, because it's just her in front of a black background, so... Yeah. Because, like, on the iPhone X, there's that new mode, so if you do portrait mode, you can, like, change the lighting to stage lighting, and it, like, tries to... It does that black thing, like, the black that's surrounding her. Uh So, it just doesn't really work very well. Like, it just looks like a bad Photoshop job, so that's exactly what this is. Yeah, I mean, it obviously doesn't show anything about what's going on on the set of the movie. Yeah. It's just a picture of... She's uh, in all black. Yeah, it's just Jamie Lee Curtis in her, you know, her Lori Strode outfit from the set mm-hmm. of the movie. Kind of. She's just wearing a black shirt, so... Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> creepy how much she looks like my mom. <laughs> it's really fucking weird. <laughs> like... Short hair, not at all. Long hair, almost identical. Like, could be sisters. It's really fucking weird. So, that's the first photo we got this week. And then Nick Castle is uh, just having a blast, you know, because his career has miraculously started again. He's been tweeting some photos. So, the first one is really cool. It's of his burned hand. Or it's Is it burned or is it bloody? I can't tell. It looks, it looks, it looks burned to me. Like, yeah that the skin is like kind of taut and a little bit weathered yeah but that's i don't know cool. but like why shows... would he be burned because halloween 2 doesn't exist anymore well he could be burned because of something in the events of the new movie mm-hmm. yeah that's cool i mean it looks cool it's like a good good makeup good yeah. prosthetic work it's not cgi that's what we like to see at least yeah it's always cool to see some practical effects being put into use and it seems like you know it, it all looks good, and Nick Castle is obviously happy to be in the movie. It seems yeah. like he's doing more than we expected at first, since he's 
showing pictures of him with like hand makeup and him his shadows throughout the house so he might actually be this shape more than we ever expected yeah dude and then speaking of that the next photo is dope it's of his shadow in full costume but like you can it's like a silhouette shadow on a wall and he's in full costume but man it looks really good i mean it's just a shadow but like even the outline the hair looks really cool like the hairline that he's got going on like i just feel like it's very reminiscent of the first movie like that silhouette makes me think of the first movie yeah i've seen like, like every halloween yeah very like messy hair silhouette makes him seem pretty huge and imposing tall collar yeah tall do collar you, it's always a good look do you think he's gonna go like straight for the jumpsuit again in this movie because that was like that was really dumb in halloween 4 i just watched halloween 4 again i still really like it but i noticed something really stupid that like he comes back in halloween 4 and then he like immediately constructs the same outfit yeah but it's he like goes and he wouldn't kills do the mechanic that. to go grab yeah. the jumpsuit and he's wearing all those bandages <laughs> and lewis tries to shoot him in the face in the in the diner yeah it's like the first thing it's the reason he wore that costume in the first movie is because like that's the first thing he encountered it was right like a, it was you know, like out of convenience garage. yeah not out of like him wanting to look <laughs> like a mechanic yeah so like i i honestly i get the connection to the mask you know like i feel like the mask you could stretch like he wants to be masked and that's the first mask he used mask he used so hey like yeah he's gonna use that again in this movie obviously maybe maybe they'll use a different mask who knows but anyways I don't, I don't know if he's going to go and just, like, immediately kill an auto worker and, like, take his jumpsuit, you know? Yeah, I guess it just depends on... So, I mean, in theory, this movie starts, you know, X amount of years later. Laurie's, you know, maybe a cop now, maybe not, if, if your speculations are correct. And so she's been in Haddonfield since the first movie. And if we take, like, the literal timeline... Like, the movie came out in the 70s to now. So, like, what, 40, 50 years later? 40 years later. Like, yeah. that's, this is the 40th anniversary this year. Yeah. Yeah, so 40 years later, he comes back in some way, shape, or form. So, <laughs> I mean, if he reassembles the suit, it would be kind of interesting to see how he does it. Or if he picks something slightly different or goes completely different, it'd be cool to see. But from... Just this shadow, which obviously isn't a huge indicator of what's going on. Uh, it looks like he'll look really similar to what he did in the first movie. Yeah, so... I don't know, dude. I feel like we're, we're spot on with a lot of our speculation. But, like, there's just stuff we can't know, and this is one thing we can't know. But it looks really cool, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I think uh, the more we're seeing about this movie from set photos and, uh, you know, the different actors being excited about actually being part of it and the directors and the writers and everyone, you know even john carpenter being really excited about writing the music again uh it just seems like overall everyone is very happy to be part of this project yeah. so that's obviously a good sign yeah and uh i didn't know this but the reason that so remember last week we were talking about how we thought it was weird that like they've just never filmed in illinois but like right it takes place in illinois I guess yeah. David Gordon Green, he just moved his whole production studio to South Carolina. So that's why they're shooting there. Uh, I mean, that's cool. I get that. I can see how you could make South Carolina look like a Midwestern town. Yeah, like every photo we've seen has been pretty good. So Yeah, all the set photos of uh, like all the kids together and like yeah. in that circle with, uh, with Gordon Green. It was cool. Yeah, and so, like... Uh, 
Yeah, I just thought it was funny that we were like, why South Carolina? Because like, <laughs> he just moved his whole company there. Like, his company's the one that did Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals, and yep. he directed Pineapple Express. So, yeah. South Carolina's probably a good spot. Yeah, seems like a good hub for him where he's comfortable, and if he's comfortable, then hopefully that makes the movie better. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, so that's all we have this week for Halloween news. Light week, and I feel like it's going to start slowing down more because the movie's about to wrap up filming. But, uh, man, it's some good stuff coming out Yeah, good old Halloween town. Yeah, it's cool. We've gotten at least, what, it's been like two, three weeks of coverage every every week on this movie. Like, Pretty It much. seems like there's been stuff coming out leaking, like, at least one big story a week about this movie since, since it started filming. Yeah, dude. And you know what's cool? Like, uh, on my YouTube channel, every video I make about this movie does well. So people are really excited and i think that's awesome like even so i get some people who come in and defend halloween 2 because that's the thing i keep milking like is the halloween 2 dying thing because people are just really up in arms about that but Uh every like as time goes on less and less people are defending halloween 2 which i think is cool like people are moving on you know so that's good yeah i'm stoked dude this is like if this does well you know what would be sweet is if they instead of continuing this if they went back to that idea of a different halloween movie every year like a big anthology that'd be sweet yeah if they made this the end the real end of michael myers and then started going like the halloween 3 route that they were planning originally right i'd be so down like just bring back halloween you know bring back that spirit every year so we have like something really cool to look forward to that takes place on our favorite night possible you yeah know? i'd love something like that like some kind of annual movie i mean there were certain franchises that were trying to kind of filling that void like the saw franchise would come out every halloween for a while and um, yeah yeah that was stupid yeah but i mean there's like been a couple other horror franchises that have tried to fill the void but it'd be cool to see a like legit halloween movie every year i feel like with blumhouse running the show i feel like they're the right people to be doing it yeah you know like they figured it out i feel like the age of the blumhouse tax is over remember like when they started and it was like, you'd have to deal with an Ouija for every good movie that came out, like, for every Purge. I don't know, man. That new uh, Truth or Dare movie looks pretty terrible to me. Yeah, that one kind of looks bad. You're right. <laughs> but, you know, Happy Death Day looked pretty bad, and that movie's great. That's true. So, maybe it's uh, a Don't Judge a Book by its cover situation. Yeah, and then also, here's some quick news for you guys. We were talking about how much we love The Purge. You can get... A three-pack 4K Blu-ray of every Purge movie for $30 on Amazon right now. And it comes with the 4K Blu-ray of each movie, the regular Blu-ray of each movie, and digital copies of each movie for 30 bucks. Like, that's a steal. Yeah, I mean, 10 bucks a movie for three movies that are all pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you can future-proof, like, even if you don't have a 4K TV, you're right. going to get one eventually, so you could just buy this for the probably cheaper than you would get all three of those movies separately as regular blu-rays and you could be ready to go when you get a good looking tv yeah and uh be all all set up for uh purge yeah uh, and uh you know happy death day just came out so i'm gonna pick that up if it's on 4k i really yeah. want to get that movie yeah it's cool to definitely see the 4k support coming out more and more yeah. For it being like basically standard now for every movie that comes They've out. They've just been re-releasing shit movies for so long in 4K. Yeah, I, so like they I just re-released the Tomb Raider movies. 
yeah, I mean, like, no one's going to buy that in 4K, but I would honestly love the 4K remaster uh, that they used for the screenings of Halloween this year. Oh, yeah, dude, totally. If they did a full 4K Blu-ray re-release of the first Halloween, I'd buy that in a second. Oh, me too. No question. Like, <laughs> yeah, for real. I, <laughs> I would love that, and then I'd love a... I don't know if I'd buy a Friday the 13th box set, but I'll say I want it because I know it'll never happen. But I will not follow through on my word if that comes out and buy that. But I would totally buy a a Nightmare on Elm Street one. I like to have all those movies. Yeah, I think most of those are all, like, at least decent. So having that collection would be pretty good on 4K. But I don't even know if they've shot most of those movies in, like, high enough resolution to make it 4K. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I was... So this guy I work with, Wes, he was explaining it to me. And film, like, film, when you film on film, it is higher than like 8k i guess for some reason like i don't know how he explained it to me but like the quote-unquote resolution of film is super high so it's easy if you have the film he says to take the film and make a really good 4k transfer out of it Mm -hmm. like film captures a lot of data i guess so all of those movies i feel like the film would still be around right like why would they get rid of it right yeah i mean they probably have it somewhere yeah it was really it was really confusing like he's way too smart for me to to understand but that's why like blade runner looks really good and all these older 80s movies look so good when they re-release them yeah but it'd be cool it'd be cool to see some of these older movies get re-released in 4k yeah i agree so then moving on we have a new story that's kind of cool actually so the writer of scream who's named kevin williamson has partnered with miramax uh, to develop genre films which means horror movies uh, so he he wrote I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is a like really shitty movie, but he also wrote Scream, Scream 2, The Faculty, and Scream 4, which are all really good movies. Yeah. So that's cool that he's making some elevated horror movies with Miramax. He says, I'm thrilled to be partnering with Bill Block and to be back in the feature space working with new filmmakers and the genre I love so much. So it sounds like they're just making Blumhouse 2. Right, trying to kind of get in on the action of being able to release a horror movie like very frequently like one after the other right so that's cool i mean yeah his his track record's pretty good yeah i mean all the screen movies he was involved with are the best of the series i mean one two and four are like easily the top three of the screen franchise so it's cool it's so bad (laughs) (laughs) i mean they're all pretty uh, good but like yeah i mean they're all okay but one one was like so much better than the other ones it's hard to kind of recapture that lightning in a bottle yeah but it's cool it's cool to see that him he's coming back to be involved with the genre has he done like anything in the in the interim uh he's been doing a lot of tv work i read okay yeah i can Uh, see that tv's been big lately a lot of good horror tv shows going on and not even just horror but just tv shows in general so it wouldn't shock me if he was trying to get in in on that game a little bit oh this is crazy this is actually kind of cool he wrote uh a lot of the vampire diaries which seems like a really lame show like just by looking at it and all the promotional materials but i watched that with kelsey because the the show just ended and there's a lot of gore and like cool stuff in that show like it, it felt really cool so he wrote a lot of that i guess um he wrote the following and just a whole bunch of tv he worked with Wes Craven a lot. Yeah, I mean, sadly, rip in peace, uh, Wes Craven, but... Yeah, rip in it, peace. It, it's, it's cool to see him maybe 
I don't think we'll ever see another Scream movie, but it's cool to see him kind of pseudo take up the mantle and mm. try to bring it back. Yeah, because the reboot of the show they're doing looks fucking stupid. So Yeah, I, I actually like the first two seasons of the yeah, show. Yeah, me too, and the Halloween special was great. Yeah, so it, it sucks to see him go in a different direction, but what are you hey. going to do? Yeah, hopefully we, get we don't control cool news. <laughs> we don't control what the TV show does. <laughs> right. So next up on the list, we have a really quick one. I I wanted to get Stranger Things in here when we can. So it was announced today that there will be eight episodes in Stranger Things three, which is the same as season one, but season two had nine episodes. So, I mean, I want more episodes, but that's fine. There you go. Now you know how many episodes are going to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Obviously not huge news. I think we kind of expected, you know, roughly the same eight. amount as the other seasons. But uh, it's cool. I mean, I still am more curious about what the plot elements are going to be. Yeah, me rather too. Than how many episodes? But it's cool to see that uh, we we get at least the same amount as the first season. Right. So that's cool. That's coming out next year, not this year, which is really annoying. But yeah. there you go. Yeah. Uh, so next on the list, we have that The Forest, which is an early access game that's been in early access forever, is finally releasing in April. Uh, there's a PlayStation 4 release coming too. Uh, it's $14.99 right now, but once 1.0 hits, the price will jump to $20, which I think is fair. And yeah, they just say it's they're getting it ready for April. Uh, have you ever played this game? This was the game that was, uh, it starts when you're in, like, the plane, and it crashes on the island, yeah, and yeah. you have to survive, and there's cannibals on the island and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played it. I've, I saw a little bit of footage of it, like, right when it came out, when it was very early, like, beta or alpha, when it was, like, super early access. Right. Um, but I have, I never played it myself, and I, I haven't really checked on it since then. I own it. I've just never played it. Yeah, it's a cool concept for sure to have yeah. like a survival island game where it mixes some crafting elements with uh, like survival and horror where if you don't build like your defenses up enough, then the indigenous people can come and hunt you down, which is kind of crazy, but it seems cool. Yeah, I and like that. I, yeah, I don't know good. what... Yeah, it does. It definitely does look good. I don't know... I don't know what the like special features are pushing it from early access to 1.0 i don't know if there's some kind of big you know finally something's complete or not but yeah i think that the the game definitely has a cool premise and from what i've seen people seem to like it so it's yeah cool it to does see really it. well on steam yeah so it's cool to see it get a real 1.0 release I, i'll i might actually pick this up right before the release just to save five bucks on it when it releases but yeah dude i'll get into this for sure with you and then if any of our listeners want to play let us know because we'll be happy to play with you guys yeah um it it seems like kind of a darker a little bit cooler uh like minecraft almost i remember something about it where the tribes people like the cannibals are scared of limbs so you could like dismember them and then make giant effigies of their body parts to send them away. Like, they won't go past them or something. <laughs> which is kind of cool. Like, you yeah. build effigies with body parts and stuff. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. I definitely like the thought of that. And I don't know if there's, like, a campaign. Like, if you can beat the indigenous yeah, people Yeah, there's, there's in some a way. story. I remember that. Okay. 
Well, that's cool too. So maybe the story being completed is like the the big 1.0 push, but yeah, that's how Subnautica just did it. Like they okay. finished yeah. the story. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Interesting. Uh, we'll have to check this out. Yeah. So next on the list is news I'm really excited about. So we talked to you a couple months ago about how the Sabrina show that was being teased in Riverdale moved from the CW to Netflix, and we both thought that was really cool. Obviously, because like Netflix is got a better budget than the cw and they finally just or not finally they just tweeted a picture of salem from the show uh roberto aguirre sacasa who is a showrunner said that so wrong but whatever <laughs> he tweeted out a picture of salem and he looks like a cat you That's think it. That's you I think got. they're gonna make him like really funny like they did in the old show or you think he's gonna be like darker <sighs> so <laughs> This show is, quote, unquote, totally in the vein of Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. This adaptation finds Sabrina wrestling to reconcile her dual nature while standing against the forces that threaten her. So it seems very dark. Yeah, so he's, he's going to be hilarious, right? He's going to be like a comedian up there. Yeah, I mean, he could be like darkly funny, you know, and it would work. I, I think it would work. I feel like he'll probably be more of a... Mm, like a guide almost or like an asshole i think he's gonna be a dick yeah maybe like trying to trick her or like if she's asking for advice like give her bad advice or something just to see what happens like kind of like chaotic evil sort of deal yeah that makes sense uh but did you did you see who's playing sabrina no who's playing sabrina kiernan shipka she's from mad men so you'll probably know her but like i looked oh, i googled her and she yeah. looks so good in the role don draper's daughter yeah that's her yeah she yeah. looks great for sabrina like she's blonde and everything she looks like a little witch or not little she's like <laughs> old like yeah witch, but that's actually a really good casting i'm i'm happy with that for sure yeah i thought that was cool i didn't i didn't know that they even cast her uh, i wonder do you think they'll have melissa joan hart like do a cameo of some sort like they they probably will right i think like who's me i mean i feel like they they'd either want to to like connect it with the old fans who like the old show or they'd want to steer clear that completely to be like this Mm -hmm. is not a child's like sitcom this is like a dark witch (laughs) show (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's it's kind of like it could go either way like either they'll want to connect it in some way but even if they do i think they're gonna make her like she won't be like oh super fun cool sabrina she'll be like a dark yeah, older yeah. witch or something i i just think like they'll have that actress like melissa joan hart just play a character i don't think yeah, they'll I, ever play sabrina yeah I, I don't think uh that wouldn't shock me at all if she shows up at some point in the series yeah i love that show though when i was growing up i watched yeah, it all the I time i liked it too yeah i like the comic chilling adventures her like the first arc was her getting sent to hell by her aunts because she caused the zombie apocalypse in riverdale mm-hmm. so then they sent her to hell for 100 years but then it turned out to be like a school run by hp lovecraft so that was kind of cool so uh hopefully they do some sweet shit with the show um, yeah there's obviously a lot of cool directions you could take that with witchcraft and you know so it's interesting dude, i love Who witches know- yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're going to take the comic approach where they try to follow that or if they're going to try to write a new story just kind of based around witchcraft and Sabrina, like the character or what. Yeah. But I'm very curious to see where this show's going to go. Me too. So next on the list, 
We got some Stephen King news, baby. And this one's cool. He's writing a novella called Elevation, and it's coming on October 30th, which is the day before Halloween, if you didn't know. So it's going to be 144 pages, which makes it the size of a normal book. And uh, it's called A Riveting, Extraordinarily Eerie and Moving Story About a Man Whose Mysterious Affliction Brings a Small Town Together. A timely, upbeat tale about finding common ground despite deep-rooted differences. Uh, And the the cool thing about this, though, is that A, it's coming out the day before Halloween, and B, it's set in Castle Rock. That's cool. Yeah. Do you think he's kind of putting this out there? You think it's going to be like he's putting it out here to gain hype on the Castle Rock TV show? Or do you think. Dude, yeah. Initially, I thought that, but Castle Rock comes out in the summer. So maybe this is like. Maybe it's something that will be like part of the show in some way. Yeah, Yeah. Like season two, like a bridge between one and two. Right. Like he's trying to set up other things in that universe to build off of the show once it comes out. Yeah. So I'm I'm like I'm so down for this. Yeah. Uh, it looks cool. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna read this when it comes out, especially since it's releasing at the perfect time to where everyone wants to read Stephen King books. Yeah, and I just like tackled that description, so I'm not gonna read the big one. But uh it's about a guy named Scott Carey who like he's losing weight. But uh, he has these weird things going on, like when he wears clothes, he weighs the same as when he's naked, which is weird. And he is dealing with a doctor named Dr. Bob Ellis, who he trusts. And he doesn't want to like be studied, but he just wants to be able to like talk to someone about what's going on with him. It takes place in Castle Rock, and uh, he is engaged in a low-grade but escalating battle with the lesbians next door whose dog regularly shits on scott's lawn mm. this is seeming weird okay i'll read it yeah i mean i what was the last king book he wrote it it was like what sleeping beauties was the last king book wrote it with his know. son with his not right oh yeah son. yeah you're right and then there's one coming out on the 28th too may 22nd actually not the 28th hmm but so, yeah, so he's yeah, still he hasn't active. really slowed down at all in his older age. He's still right pumping out books like two or three a year, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, he must just never stop writing. Yeah, he's got The Outsider coming out on May 22nd. Is that oh. a full book? Have we talked about this book? I don't think so. I didn't even know. Oh, wow, the cover is amazing. This looks really cool. Um, this one's 576 pages, so. Yeah, so that's a full King book. Another Bible. It's more and... like half a King book, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one's if you haven't heard of this the uh description is an unspeakable crime a confounding investigation at a time when the king brand has never been stronger he has delivered one of his most unsettling and compulsively readable stories that's nothing it's an 11 year old boy's violated corpse is found in a town park eyewitnesses and fingerprints point unmistakably to one of flint city's most popular citizens he is terry maitland little league coach english teacher husband and father of two girls detective ralph anderson whose son maitland once coach orders a quick and very public arrest he had an alibi though and anderson and the district attorney soon add dna evidence to go with the fingerprints and witnesses their case seems ironclad and then there's some horrific shit that happens i guess but yeah that sounds cool i'll read that too yeah so happy to see more king work coming out me too uh, but this is definitely cool because i think it will connect to the show in some way yeah it better like let's get this universe going like the connect the books with the show get people reading again because i hate i hate this new trend where people are like i don't read like that's cool (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like read books books are good yeah it'd definitely be interesting to see either him kind of try to spin like a new universe starting with this book kind of including the show or right. if he's going to somehow connect it to his older books or you know kind of build up this as a new franchise so there's a couple different things he could do with this new book coming out but it'll be it'll be cool to definitely see how that plays with the show totally um so next up we have that the annihilation director alex garland uh he wants to make a swamp thing movie next so i I didn't really know i knew the name but i didn't know exactly who he was but yep 28 days later and yeah uh uh, ex machina and sunshine i love that and And dread sunshine yep and dread and uh annihilation like you said is coming out soon which is getting like pretty rave reviews yeah i want to see already. that really bad that looks cool yeah i'm i'm very excited to see that but it's cool to see a big director like that who kind of got his start in horror with the 28 days later being his first big breakout role kind of mm-hmm. coming back to that genre to kind of build back on it with a swamp thing yeah movie. and people people are really into the swamp thing comic the dc one that they've been doing for the past few years because it's like I don't know. It's just caught on with a lot of people and it's pretty low key, but enough people read it, I think to keep it going. And a lot of filmmakers have said they wanted to make a swamp thing movie. Cause it's like, it's kind of like the shape of water where it's like a fish man monster. It's like a love story romance type deal. Yeah. I've, I've only heard great things about the new DC swamp thing comic series, mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting to see what, how it'll be different from Shape of Water, since that's basically just a Swamp Thing movie. Guillermo del Toro was going to do a Swamp Thing movie in the, you know, the Dark Universe, Universal's Dark Universe. Yeah. And then kind of said, no, I'm going to do my own thing, and then just made his own Swamp Thing movie. So it'll be kind of, you know, weird to see what exactly, you know, his vision is for a Swamp Thing movie compared to del Toro or you know what the original plan was basically if there's like an outline already or if it has to be like more of like a comic book movie like an action hero movie or if it's going to be all horror yeah so it's cool it's kind of interesting to see what he'll do with it and then this guy makes sick movies dude like i'm down for it but he really likes the character and he answered like an ama question so he i just like this sentence the character is a swamp monster that resembles an anthropomorphic mound of vegetable matter. He fights to protect his swamp home, the environment in general, and humanity from various supernatural or terrorist threats. I want that movie. Yeah, imagine Swamp Thing, like... Being Toxic Avenger. Yeah, being Toxic Avenger and just, like, mopping a terrorist face into the ground or something. <laughs> like, Toxic Avenger, but good, and people who work on it get paid. That'd yeah. be nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> so yeah i'm down i I mean that that description of the character from his own mouth makes it seem like it'll be pretty good like i'm actually pretty excited to see what he's gonna do with it yeah and then he also said that 28 months later will probably never happen but i feel like the boat is just has left the harbor on that one you know like i think people are just over that franchise yeah like you should have said that like five years ago yeah like thanks for the update bro (laughs) i mean days (laughs) 20 Days Later is, I think, like a modern horror masterpiece. Like, it's one yeah. of the best zombie movies ever. Totally. I think Weeks is a little weak, but... Weeks um, is like the remake of uh, Night of the Living... Or Dawn of the Dead. You yeah. Know? I, it's like, I feel like it's on par with that. 
Yeah, it's it's good. I wouldn't say it's like a bad movie, but I just right. think it's a lot. It's a lot weaker than Days, in my opinion. So yeah, I don't I don't think it would really benefit at all to have that series get a third part of the trilogy <laughs> and have months come out like ten right. years after month you know weeks did. Because there's so, no way it would be a regular sequel. It would be a reboot that fucks something up and it's just like let let Sleeping Dogs lie, you know? Right. Or it would just be like essentially another remake of another zombie movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's at that point it's like just do something original like a swamp thing movie that would be cool <laughs> yeah i of... hope the swamp thing movie happens but i hope it's not connected to that dc universe that's going on right now in like any way whatsoever well i don't think it will because dc has said after justice league did so bad <laughs> that they're just gonna go back to doing like one-off movies and not connecting any of the stories anymore because right yeah i saw that it was like wonder woman did awesome and they were like okay so that's obviously our golden goose like wonder woman will make us money for a while and justice league everybody hated it so instead of combining characters we're just going to make stories about each character which that can work in its own way they're probably going to try to reconnect them again at some point i don't think that they're ever going to completely close the door on that but (laughs) yeah but I think we'll at least get one Swamp Thing movie that's 100% its own, like, you know, it's in its own bubble. No one's going to touch it. You're not going to see Jared Leto's Joker walk into a swamp and do something. Yeah, I'm curious how a sequel to Wonder Woman will do. Because that movie, the sequel is also going to be out of time. Like, it's not going to be in the present day. But, like, I feel like Wonder Woman got a lot of praise just for being like a cultural movie you know like it was a big deal culturally that that movie came out and wasn't ass but i also think it got a free pass on a lot of huge mistakes like editing and story wise and just length wise and even the the villain and like the way cgi was used in that movie so i hope they're on top of that shit that they like i hope that on dc's end of it or warner brothers end they're like whoo People really didn't notice, like, this bad <laughs> shit we did in this movie. And then they're, like, making the steps to fix it so that it won't be brought up on the second movie. Because I feel like it won't. the second movie won't get that pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, not to I, discount the movie, but I just don't... I don't think it's great. I think there's a few really good set pieces in it. And I think the character is cool. Yeah, like that plane at the end? That was cool. The, the plane, plane and, uh, like, the No Man's Land sequence where they take over the town and, like, Wonder Woman goes across, like, the battlefield and everything is all cool. Yeah, that was great. So, and Chris Pine's character was awesome. Yeah, Chris Pine was great in it. So, I there's like I think there's good parts of that movie, but it was kind of blown up bigger than it should have been just because it was, like, a not really bad DC movie. Yeah, it's a not bad DC movie. It's, like, a woman superhero who isn't just, like, look at my titties and, like, right. has pretty decent action and a good message you know like i i think people were way more forgiving on that one than like they probably should have been a and b than they would be on the sequel if it was like on par with the first one i think the sequel needs to be a lot better than the first one yeah i I would say that's that's probably fair yeah so that's our (laughs) warner brothers our our warner brothers wonder woman review (laughs) what a tangent but uh (laughs) this next one i can't i can't fucking handle it so you can all right, so our little son, our little child that we've been beating up on. Our since small the beginning, boy. Our small boy we beat up on since the beginning of this podcast. Our small adult short man. episodes ago is Chucky is being adapted for TV. Don Mancini said that he is coming back to 
set up a TV show for Chucky with Child's Play in the title. <laughs> he said, we plan to use Child's Play in the title. Mancini explained, we want to definitely signal that we are going dark, darker than ever before, and it's going to be very creepy. But he also said that this TV show was, like, obviously, like, oh, my God. Like, how could you watch the latest Chucky movie and not see this was set up for a TV show? And I don't get that at all in any way, shape, or form. It wasn't. It was set up for a (laughs) threequel, and, like, this movie got, like, this is bad. This is a bad thing. I'm not okay with it. This movie got pirated to shit and probably sold 10 copies. So, like... And it was a bad movie on top of that. I forgot. It's a terrible movie. But, like... um, So, he's like, what avenue can I take to make this a thing? And you know what really pisses me off? That he's saying, we're going dark. Darker than ever before. It's like, you're not. It's for TV, dude. Like, you had an unrated straight-to-DVD movie... That was the place to go dark slash darker than ever before because you have no limits. And now you're like going, you're going like to a more constrained medium. Like TV rules are bad. Like unless this is on Netflix or like Amazon Prime or Hulu, like you're going to have to deal with way more restraints than you ever dealt with with these movies. (laughs) I'm going to say it's if they already have something in the pipeline and they're saying things like it's going to be darker than any Child's Play movie's ever been, I think that this is going to be definitely a premium channel show. So it's going to be like a Stars. It'll be like a Stars or HBO. Not HBO. HBO will never take it. But that Cinemax, something like that. Uh, Yeah, so they make it look like this is a big deal that Brad Dourif will voice the character. Like, what the fuck else does that guy have to do, really? But the only cool thing that I really like about this is that Nick and Tosca, who's the showrunner on um, channel zero, who I really like, I like his work a lot. He uh, retweeted the story that bloody disgusting wrote with like a winky face. So that means he's probably working on it, which makes me think it'll end up on sci-fi. See, but that doesn't mean that they can go darker than they've ever been before. Right. But it's also like this guy's, this guy just, I like him, and I like that he has had the same franchise forever and kept it going. I think that's cool, but, like, where the franchise is going is bad. Like, that last movie was terrible, and the story of it was bad. And, like, I feel like like he's coming to the end of the rope on this franchise again, like, as he did after Seed of Chucky, and he's, like, just trying to hype people up because this is the last shot for Chucky. And if it's on stars... It's fucked because no one's going to watch it. Evil Dead can't even have legs on stars. Like season three of Ash vs. Evil Dead was shot with a finale in mind because they can't get people to watch the show. So if it ends up on stars, it's not going to do well. Yeah, I mean, I guess you just have to assume or hope that the Chucky... It has to be Netflix, right? I mean, it has to be something like that where, you know, if you can have the whole thing in one go, I know the last Chucky movie was put on Netflix pretty soon after. Yeah, the, day and date. Yeah, day and date for the um, the Blu-ray release. So I don't have any real hype for this series. I don't think it'll be very good. But I'm like I guess, over the meme of Chucky. You yeah, know? I guess it's good for Mancini that he's getting a TV series to. I mean, I don't even know if he's really trying to do it to like end the franchise or like give Chucky like a real finale or just trying to kind of milk it, but I don't know. I, I don't really have much faith in this series. 
Uh, I have faith in Nick and Tosca, though. Like, that guy knows what's up. If he is, like, the showrunner, then I'm on board. I mean, there Don Mancini's the showrunner and writer, I'm not on board. (laughs) I mean, I can see there being, like, cool elements to it, like, good characters, but I think that the end of the last movie in particular was very bad, and I don't want to see that continue in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, we never talked about it on the show, but, like, (laughs) the idea that there's multiple Chuckies now, like, sorry, three, four-month spoilers, but that's just fucking dumb. Yep, that completely ruins like everything about the character any because there's no tension in there being one chucky because if you kill him there's just like five more yeah so it's it's so underwhelming because that's what the series has been leading up to and the movie starts with him having already done it like they don't make a big deal about it at all and it minimizes the whole history of the character like not that like this is a compelling character in any way really but like all every chucky movie has literally been him trying to put himself into someone else's body and in the newest movie he does it at like the drop of a hat with like no effort you know like what the fuck yeah and not only into like a real human being but also like eight other chucky dolls that are all like self-aware and can do everything that the one chucky can do yeah so it just kind of wrecks the entire idea of the whole series in like one fell swoop so I don't really want to see, like, a, a big, you know, like, expansion of that mythos. I think that's kind of stupid. So. Yeah, I don't either. I'm just, like, I, I almost said jaded, but I'm not. I'm just kind of over it. You know, like, when these franchises go on too long, it's just, it becomes just tired. And I don't, like, I just, the idea of Chucky continuing on in a TV show, like, what plot is there that you haven't done before at this point? Yeah. Like, you can only take this character so far. Yeah, I think it's almost time to just put the put Chucky to bed and just kind of end it for like 15 years and then maybe pull it out of retirement once people kind of forget about him. So final story on the news segment this week is that uh, there's a cover revealed for the R.L. Stein presented anthology Scream and Scream Again. And this cover, pretty dope. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. This looks This sweet. is interesting because it's an anthology series not written by rl stein but quote-unquote presented by so it's a few other horror authors compiled into this book that's with the rl stein stamp of approval on top Mm -hmm. so it's cool because these seem rl stein's obviously back said he's going to write a couple more goosebumps books so i'm assuming these might be a little more like edgy a little more adult than the goosebumps books yeah. He's going to be like kind of the adults or like people who grew up with the Goosebumps kind of supplement instead of reading the new Goosebumps books. They kind of read this instead. So I'm interested to see what it's going to be like because the cover is cool. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was a graphic novel, but it's not. This is yeah. a book. Oh, I'm yeah, so it's a, buying It's an anthology this? series, so it's cool for sure to oh, be able to read a couple of short horror stories that have the, the Earl Science Stamp for approval. Yeah, it comes out July 24th, 2018, which, like, is cool. I'll read it. This looks sweet. I don't care if it's for kids. Yeah, um, one day before my birthday. He's got three new Goosebumps books in, coming our way in 2018 also. That's probably mm-hmm. out of our age range, but, like, I'll check them out. Yeah. I love Arl Stein. Yeah, gotta love the guy. So, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna wrap up our new segment this week. And uh, I have a creature feature, and it's an uh, Instagram t-shirt company called Revenge of the Nerd 616 at rotn616 on twitter they make really cool like metal shirts of cool things like star wars there's a kylo ren one 
Uh, I saw a really cool Black Sabbath riff that was Black Panther, Master of Wakanda. That's a really cool shirt. They do them in runs, though, so you have to pre-order them, and then you get the shirt. But the Kylo Ren one is really cool. Yeah, I actually bought the Kylo Ren one yesterday, so... Yeah, I'm going to buy it. I tried to win it, and I lost, so I'm going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they have a bunch of uh, uh, Black Panther merchandise right now. They're advertising mm-hmm. on their Instagram. So I would say just follow them on Instagram, and if you see anything cool, check them out. Yeah, so that's going to wrap up segment one. We're going to take a quick break, and this week uh, for the song, I'm going to play a little bit of it because I don't know the legality of this, but like... <laughs> whatever i'm gonna play a little bit of the song from the strangers pray at night trailer it's tiffany's cover of i think we're alone now and if you rat us out we'll break your legs back from our quick break and this week we're reviewing the ritual it's the new movie that netflix uh picked up it showed at festivals and uh, they picked it up and just released it and you know what i want to go out on a limb here and say it's probably their best original movie like it's really good i liked it a lot i would say it's far and away the best netflix original horror movie of this year but that's not saying a lot no it's (laughs) not uh so (laughs) This is a cool one. We have a really big connection to this. Uh, it's directed by David Bruckner. And if you don't know who that is, he directed a segment of VHS called Amateur Night. And that one was a cool vampire. Like there was this girl who kept saying, I like you. And her head splits in half. It's dope. And he also directed a segment in Southbound, which was our favorite in Southbound. It's the segment called The Accident about a guy who it's a girl who escapes a group of cannibals. And then he has to like take her to a hospital and try and heal her. It, it do like amateur surgery and he's a great director and the reason that we're connected to vhs is because i think vhs is one of the first like indie modern horror movies me and george watched together and it kind of got us into like these not ignoring these direct to dvd vod movies that we love so much now yeah basically and uh the other vhs is good but the third one sucks so yeah, yeah this this but, movie but... is called the ritual and it's based on a novel by Adam Neville. So basically what happens is there's a group of friends who are like, you know, they're older. They're like in their 30s in England. And they're trying to plan their trip, their yearly lads trip, as they call it. And one of their friends, Robert, who's played by Paul Reed, he goes into a store to buy more liquor with Luke, who's played by Rafe Spall. And the store gets robbed and basically... Luke hides and doesn't help out Robert and Robert gets killed. So then cut to six months later and the other four guys are out on a trip 
to you know commemorate their friend and they're doing the hike in his honor basically out in sweden but they decide to take a shortcut after dom who's kind of like a chubbier nerdy type uh he trips and hurts his leg and they take a shortcut and things go very wrong it's a monster movie after all and it's dope i really liked it what do you think i thought thought it was good um i think it's a little bit slow to get going yeah but i would say the movie that i i was thinking about most uh like comparison wise while watching it was i think it's very similar to uh the 2016 blair witch movie yeah it is and um so i think a lot of people's problem with blair witch was the found footage aspect if you didn't like the found footage aspect but you liked where the movie was going you should definitely check this out because i it hits a lot of the same notes that i think made that movie scary but it does a better job at not being a found footage movie and i think a lot of people would like it for that and you actually get to see a lot of the monster in this whereas in the blair witch you didn't so that's cool yeah the third act uh does have a lot of actually seeing the monster so okay everyone like i've seen people saying they don't like the third act or they really like the third act i came down on the fence where i really like the third act what did you think of it yeah i thought that was the strongest part of the movie for me i thought that was the the coolest part where you kind of get to see uh i don't really want to spoil anything but uh, um you know i don't know can we it's a netflix movie is our, is our policy going forward that like netflix movies we can spoil because everyone's probably already seen them i think this one should be kind of left up i think the less you know about this movie the better going you don't want to spoil it. So, all right cool we won't spoil it so i think the third act is definitely the strongest part of the movie um where you get to see kind of what has been like leading up to since like about the end of the first act where you at one point when they're going through the forest they sleep in this abandoned cabin which is really cool looking really cool very well designed and they see this really kind of creepy effigy in the attic and they're yeah, like well this is very like, cool like this is really creepy but it's raining outside and we need to sleep somewhere and this is better than sleeping in a tent so we'll all just hang out in the house and go to sleep and at night when they all go to sleep they all have a different nightmare you only get to f- see the um, luke's character the main character's nightmare you don't get to see yeah. anybody else's and he dreams but, of like the convenience store murder right like the night that kind of sparked everything when he didn't stand up for his friend basically when he needed him yeah and there's definitely some tension about that within the friend group and they touch on that a little bit so but i thought that the movie was really well done i really liked mm-hmm. a lot of the dream sequences were better than i expected them to be yeah, the CG I, is really good for yeah, a festival CG's, movie. Like, damn, it looked great. Yeah, I thought it looked really good. Cinematography was great. I thought yeah, it was it looked, genuinely... Oh, my God. Yeah, the forest, dude. The yeah. forest looks so good. And there's scenes where you see the monster. Like, you straight up see it, like, walking between trees and stuff. And mm. it looks great. Really creepy. Very, very creepy. I thought that the monster design, once you actually get a good look at it, is pretty damn terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, if I dude, saw that scary. thing... I would be like, no, that's okay. I'm just going to kill myself instead. <laughs> yeah, and, like, uh, the the plot they suggest with it, man, that third act, like, when things really take come to a head, it's, it's pretty dope. Um, and, like we said, the movie looks great. The problem I have with the movie is with the dialogue. Like, the script is pretty bad. Like, that, the directing is great, and it makes up for it. But they're going out into the woods to 
kind of, you know, commemorate their friend and air their grievances. And there's really no character development, but they have way, way more than enough time to do it. It's not like there's a lack of time for them to, you know, talk about what happened and really advance as like friends and stuff, you know, because they're a group of guy friends, you know, they're going out to commemorate their dead friend, but they never really address it. They kind of do, but they kind of gloss over it. And then shit goes off like right after they address what's going on, like the air, like they air their grievances to each other. So I, I just, I really don't like that in movies when you have a plot that's set up and then you use the monster as an excuse to just like be like, I'm done with this. I'm moving on. You know? Yeah, I, I agree that they could have gotten quite a bit deeper with the characters. Like, I agree that um, I, I feel like a lot of the like first third of the movie is wasted time. Where oh yeah, you you get the scene in the beginning where they're all hanging out at the bar and you can tell they're friends and they're hanging out. And they're like to, you know like making fun of each other and stuff, and that's all cool. You yeah. believe they're friends there, but then once they're actually on the trip, I get that there might be a, like a little bit of weirdness there since they're kind of like there to you know like mourn their friend who i I get it why everyone would kind of be a little more somber but at the same time these are supposed to be people who are like lifelong friends or at least friends since university yeah and would be like very chummy and have like a lot to talk about and they just don't really feel like friends at any point in the movie besides the very beginning they don't even talk to each other like they don't have conversations. I don't remember any character's name in this movie. I remember the main guy, Luke. That's pretty much it. I actually remembered one of the characters' wives, Gail. I remembered her more than anyone because the dude wouldn't shut the fuck up about her. <laughs> That's all he'll talk about in the movie. It's, a uh, what's his name? Dom. Sam Trotton's character, Dom. He just, like, keeps mentioning Gail. He's, like, but he doesn't talk to his friends. And, like, he's obviously the friend. You can figure it out that he's, like, the friend who kind of exaggerates and he's like the nerdy guy that they kind of took under their wing. But you never really get to know anyone in the movie. And a big chunk of the movie is them hiking together. So it's it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I want to know more. <laughs> right. And once once they all sleep in that cabin, tensions kind of rise again. Because everyone's like very weirded out by their nightmares. And they don't really mm-hmm. want to talk about it. And I get that kind of being an excuse for why they don't say too much to each other. But that first third of the movie before they do that they should have been more connected telling stories about their past and reminiscing and yeah and you know that was in the novel because it's a book and like books are a ton of dialogue like it wasn't like the book wouldn't be a book if it was like they walked (laughs) if it was like they walk for eight hours and you read like a hundred pages of that like tell us what the characters are thinking it's like how do you write like adapt this book into a screenplay without any dialogue really like any like you have a book these characters were written into a novel like that is it the work is done for you basically you know right. like, and, uh, and and the directing's it, great though yeah i think even if you wanted to not focus on the dialogue and kind of get to the the meat quicker and you wanted to get to the horror aspects of it faster then you should have actually gotten to it faster and start uh-huh. developing those themes and showing the monster more and getting to that third act a bit quicker, maybe expanding on what is going on in that third act without mm-hmm. trying to spoil too much, and maybe just kind of developing that instead of just kind of wasting time on these people who are supposed to be friends and they look like friends at one point, but then you don't have any kind of dialogue that connects them or makes them seem like they're actually people that would hang out in real life. 
Yeah, I completely agree with all that. Like, it has its flaws, but it's directed so well, and it looks so good. And when the monster that's stalking them comes into play, that part is done so well that I feel like it makes it makes this a great movie. Uh, you know, you know what reminded me of the monster. Remember that movie we really yes. liked? Yeah, a lot this, like the monster. This has the... the opposite problem of the monster. Where like in the monster, you barely saw the monster until the last five minutes. You know, last ten minutes. Yeah. But in this, you see a, enough of the monster, but you don't get enough of the characters. Yeah, there's the monster basically does the reverse, like you said, where it's very, very character driven between the mom and the daughter, and their connection versus this exterior force and this is basically an exterior force working on a bunch of strangers yeah exactly but it's just but it's good. problems I, the directing is so good that like it's worth watching I, yeah and i don't, I don't want to shit on the movie i did like it i thought the third act was really good uh, i thought that uh despite you know the characters not really talking to each other i thought a lot of the acting felt fine i didn't think anyone really fell short or felt unbelievable I right. think they all Me neither. seem like real people, but just not people that would actually hang out in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I thought that everyone did like their own individual role good, well. And the monster design is great. I thought the woods looked very creepy. The house design, the cabins that they stay in are very creepy. Dream Yeah, they're like all straight out well. of Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not. The movie isn't terribly long, it's like just over an hour and a half. So. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of a, a quick quick watch, but despite it being a quick watch, it is a slow burn for that first, like, third... Yeah, it feels to, like, a lot longer half than of the it movie. is. <laughs> it, de- it definitely feels a lot longer than it is, but I think this is definitely the first really good Netflix horror movie of this year, at least, and a, a definite watch if you have a Netflix subscription, which at this oh point doesn't. Oh my god, doesn't. yeah. Yeah, seriously, like, people should watch this movie, uh... I don't think we're shitting on it at all, really. I think we're just, like, pointing out very obvious flaws that I feel like they're really easy to see, too. So, I really like this movie a lot. I think people should check it out. And this is his directorial debut, also, as, like, his first feature film. So, it it might actually be good for his career that he got such a crappy script because he's showing in his first full feature-length movie that he can take a poorly written script and turn it into a really good movie right he can elevate the source material very well yeah so i i wouldn't be surprised if blumhouse is like hey dude or even this new miramax thing that they're working on is like hey dude we like this movie because obviously because it's on netflix there's gonna be a ton of eyes on it like they bought some really good marketing from it like last podcast on the left yeah they had all those guys market it and i saw a lot of people talking about it and obviously um bloody disgusting produced um vhs and vhs2 and southbound and brad who is the guy who like owns play disgusting he's been writing a ton about this movie obviously because he's friends with the director and Mm -hmm. he's been giving a lot of great press so i i feel like this is good like i feel like this is a really good first movie for this guy yeah i think this is like better than i would expect out of someone's first directorial like feature film debut yeah totally and i think he does a great job like you said elevating the material and being able to elevate the script and kind of even though the dialogue isn't great letting you kind of see what these characters are thinking without having them say too much Mm -hmm. and 
you know, without spoiling anything, I think it, it is a bit of a slow burn. But once you hit that third act, I don't, I don't really get how that could be, like, not good. I don't know why people would really complain about the third act, but yeah, I saw a lot of comp- people complaining about it. It's bizarre. Like, that's, yeah, that's the best part of the fucking movie. Yeah, that seems really strange to me, but. Uh, yeah. In my personal opinion, I think that's when the movie really starts to shine, much like the 2016 Blair Witch movies. So, which is uh, underrated. Which is underrated, but uh, yeah, I think people should definitely give this a watch, especially since it's on Netflix. Yeah, totally. So, uh, okay, guys, so that's gonna wrap up episode 17. We had a really good third segment stage, but like we want to make sure that we give it enough time because it's something that I feel like we could both talk about for at least a half hour. So we're gonna save that for next week. Um, you want to follow us on Twitter. George and I are both on Instagram and Twitter at Jimmy Champagne and at George Frizzard. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Fear Frequency. We've been taking the funnier segments of the show, like each episode, and making them into cool little uh, shareable segments. So it would really help us out, actually, if everyone listening could follow the show on Twitter and then wait for us to tweet out those, you know, those little clips and then share them with your friends because we want to grow the show more and if you have any suggestions on what you'd like to hear more or any guests you'd like to have us to have on the show let us know by tweeting at any of either of us or at the show account and uh yeah i feel like we're we're really kicking things off good this year got a lot more listeners coming in but we want to continue to grow the show and take it to the next level you guys are awesome listeners and fans so we want to keep things growing uh but yeah that's that's all the housekeeping i have for this week George, you want to bring us home? Yeah, so uh, come back next week for more horror news and reviews. And as always, you never know who might be listening. <laughs>